Welcome to the Ground Level Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Today, we are doing part two of a series, let's call it a series, Let It Go, Let It Go. Did anyone think about letting it go this week? I did. I let it go. (laughs) Ah, it's funny. God works in funny ways, doesn't he? Good thing I was prepared. Uh, (laughs) Good thing I had already let it go, like pre-let it go. Um, For those who didn't know, a a few weeks ago our house was struck by lightning. Not such a bad thing except it exploded a lot of electronics um, and the air conditioner, so that was pretty hot. Um, And then on Wednesday night, while we were having a lovely Bible study at Supersize and we were chatting away, my house was flooding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Only a bit of the house, um, but the floor now needs to be ripped up, um, etc. Uh, just one of those things. But it's a good thing I'd already let it go, eh? <laughs> so no one can say, you don't practice what you preach. Well, <laughs> and can I say, if you give someone advice or if you're like a person who preaches or like in any circumstance or even if you pray, God, I pray for... Like, more patience. Well, you know what happens then. God gives you the opportunity to practice what you have prayed for. Uh, No, it's all good. It's all good. We're letting it go. Okay, I've got some interesting research for you. A Harvard Business School study, ooh, Harvard, must be very reliable, uh, found that people are happier when they spend money on others versus themselves. Oh, funny that. Who knew that? Spending it on others, okay? According to the report, it was only a study of 632 people. So whether you see that as a large sample or a small sample, that's up to you. Uh, I'd say it's, you know, should give an accurate indication. They were asked how much they made annually, how much they spent each month on bills, expenses and gifts for themselves, and what they spent monthly on gifts for other people and donations to charities, including churches and things like that. And then they were asked to rate their level of happiness. If I asked you this morning to rate your level of happiness, probably get some varied responses. Well, these people, these 632 people, on average rated themselves far happier were the ones who gave a higher percentage away. It did not matter how much they earned. That was not indicative of how how they rated their level of happiness. It was a a very clear correlation between those who gave more away were happier. Whether they earned more, earned less, it didn't matter. Interesting, isn't it? Okay, another test at a Boston-based company, also conducted by Harvard Business School, very fancy, revealed that employees who spent their bonuses, now in Australia we don't do bonuses so much, it's a big thing in America, they spent their bonuses which averaged about $5,000, okay? It's a good bonus. Those who spent their bonuses on others, I mean, those people are bloody amazing, registered a higher level of happiness than those who spent it on themselves. Additionally, the actual size of the bonus, whether the bonus was $3,000 
or 8,000, that did not determine the level of happiness. It appeared to have no influence on a person's happiness whatsoever. The only thing that mattered was the percentage of that bonus that was spent on other people. Very interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think we know this already, but when you have hard statistics to tell you that giving money, giving away is genuinely better for your happiness, who wants to be happier here? All right, I've got a bucket. Um, <laughs> I promise you'll be very happy. <laughs> no, I would never do that. All right, so <laughs> I am not an expert in this money area, right? I don't proclaim to be an expert. All I have to follow really is examples that I can follow. For example, my parents, I would attest to the fact that I think they've built up a lot of treasure in heaven um, while also being extremely wise with the money that they have. So I am, you know, blessed enough to have a good role model. But I also have a look at what the Bible says. And to be honest, writing these messages have been really um, encouraging to me, refocusing, you know, it's a good reminder every now and again. I've never preached on giving money, anything like that, I don't think ever before this last week and this week. And, I mean, for me, even if this sermon is only just for me, it's good. <laughs> All right. But today we're going to look at some very practical things, not pie-in-the-sky imaginary ideas of philosophical things. We did that last week. <laughs> All right, number one. I'm going to jump into it because I've got so many points, man. All right, the world says jump into debt. God says avoid debt if you can. What do you call a man who has a lot of debt? Owen. But I'm genius. Praise the Lord. Murray liked that one. <laughs> All right, I've got some verses for you. It says this. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For one, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So, for example, if Ali owes me $500, uh, God says pay that debt so that there's no weirdness between us because it's really distracting if somebody owes you something. It's very difficult to love fully because you're just waiting for them to pay, to pay you back if you're a terrible person, like... Not like me, somebody else. All right, the wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. Just a, a blanket statement. If you owe somebody and you've never paid them back, God wants you to pay them back. That's called integrity. Uh, and I think that's pretty straightforward. I don't know if anyone can see that. All right, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Okay, so it's not a sin to be in debt by any means. I would never, ever say that. I'm in debt. I have a mortgage. Um, of course, there's things as good debt, you know, as in house mortgage. That's just the way that our economy works. That's the way it's set up. Good debt, you know. You've got university um, debt, you know, th that kind of debt. I'm not saying all debt is a sin. Not at all. No, 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 no. Get that out of your head. But I can see the wisdom in God saying try not to be in debt if you can. Because once you're in debt, it's very difficult to then be very generous, yeah? If all your money's tied up, it's very difficult to give it away because you actually don't have... Um, the ability to do anything 
Um, and it really ties you up. I can see nowhere in the Bible where it says jump quickly into debt. It will solve all your problems. <laughs> it talks about debt um, in the context of Jesus paid our debt because uh, a debt it was always seen as a bad thing um, in the Bible. So just a practical tip, don't jump hastily into debt. All right, which is, comes to my next two point. The world says you need this right now. God says don't make quick financial decisions. A student finally organised a boycott that the baby boomers could get on board with. They decided to boycott any company that sells items they can't afford. (laughs) Oh, that one fell flat. (laughs) In other words, they didn't buy things that they couldn't afford. (laughs) All right, let's have a look at some verses so that I'm not just talking on top of my head. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. It's true you make really quick financial decisions off, you know, that can trap you. I've seen people, I've seen it happen to people. Oh, it has devastating consequences sometimes. Proverbs 21 says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. It's not that he never had it, it's that he actually devours it so that it's not, there's no more. He's devoured it. Uh, you know, an interesting take on um, an interesting verse, I think. Maybe we don't devour the gifts that God has given us. Maybe we are a wise man and, you know. Um, while the Bible talks about enjoying the fruit of your labour, the fruit of your labour is a result of payment for a job that you've done. It doesn't say enjoy the fruit of your labour before the harvest comes in. <laughs> interesting. I've never really thought about it before. Um, the fruit of your labour is when it's done and the, oh, I can enjoy it now. The opposite to what the world says. You need it now and then, you know, eventually, you know. There's wisdom in life choices that mean you stay within your income. Now you say none of this is God, none of this is like, is, is relevant to my walk with Jesus. Jesus wants us to be wise with the gifts he's given us. And if I referenced last week's sermon which was there was there's like 2,000 verses in the Bible about how to deal with the wealth that God has given you. God's very explicit not for our harm but for our good. Think of um, if you need advice things like that people like Dave Ramsey great great um, author on on money uses biblical principles but he's very um, well known both in secular circles and Christian circles for his good financial advice based on biblical principles. All right, any financial decision that I've ever made that was beyond our means, I have regretted. I don't know about you. It ties you up. And the fleeting joy that I had when I had it at first quickly dissipated with the stress of actually being extended more than what I could afford. I hate borrowing money off people. I hate feeling indebted. I hate feeling trapped in debt. I don't know if you have that that same feeling, but I like to be free with my money. And genuinely, I can say, just from my own personal experience, every time I've gone beyond my means, I I, I haven't enjoyed that in the end. In the end. Of course, in the moment, very much enjoyed it. But in the end, it, it, it never has that sweet taste of when you first commit to that decision. All right, number three. I'm running through it today. The world says, never admit you need advice. I mean, this is across the board for any area of life. God says, 
Get good advice. I'll just give you one verse for that one. And it says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. There's no need to be ashamed if your financial life is in total shambles. Statistics say that in a group this large, there will be quite a few people who are in in a, a hard spot. I think that it is for our own good to be able to get advice from other people, yes? Because sometimes people either are not brought up with the right, um, they don't have good examples to follow. Like if you think of the financial literacy of the next generation, uh, it's, it's, we'll see how we go. <laughs> no, but we need, people who have lived longer than us a lot of the time have good advice to tell us in financial areas. They've lived longer, they've probably made mistakes and then they've fixed those mistakes. Um, so they can tell you from experience. Ask for advice if you need advice. The worst is to be trapped in a mess that you feel completely overwhelmed with. There are probably people around you who are good, <laughs> who have this area down pat. I'm talking about people who um, are followers of Jesus who also are wise, you know. Also, CAPS, C-A-P-S, is a very good Christian organisation that helps people to budget and to get um, above, you know, sinking in the, in the, and being overwhelmed by the area of money. It's an educational tool um, and they help families and it's confidential. So C-A-P-S, CAPS, um, Christians Against Poverty is called. Is, and also, if you know someone that needs, it's for Christians, not Christians, doesn't matter. CAPS is a really good organisation as well. Um, all right, but next, the world says grip it tightly and God says hold it loosely. What was the thing that we read last week? Uh, Corrie Ten Boom? Yeah. What was it? Hold things loosely lest God needs to pry your fingers open. (laughs) Oh, she's so straight. All right, I'm going to read a really good chunk of scripture here because this is kind of the main emphasis really of the whole two parts. Luke 12, let's read it together. Someone in the crowd said to him, that being Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I don't. I have not researched the culture, but to me that seems a fair. <laughs> I think the oldest son usually got it all, didn't they? I don't know. Um, Jesus replied, "Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you?" I think that's a really good lesson to learn. In that Jesus didn't even want to get in the middle of other families' money affairs. Do not get in the middle of them if you can avoid them. Then he said to them, "Watch out." So Jesus cut straight to the heart of this. He can see the heart of this guy and he calls it out. Imagine being told this in front of everybody all around you. Uh, The guy comes to Jesus and wants fairness and Jesus points out something in his heart that he needs to deal with. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Oh, that's wonderful. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my many, many, many crops. Then he said, 
This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. None of that to me really sounds that bad, but Jesus once again cuts to the heart of things. God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Oh! <laughs> that strikes to the heart of it, doesn't it? Money comes and goes. And the things we buy with money end up rusting, rotten, being stolen. Um, it doesn't build treasure in heaven, which is what we talked about last week. Placing money and possessions in the highest spot in your life is, in the end, a waste of time. <laughs> because once again, when you go, you take nothing with you. Ultimately, we have to keep recognising money as a tool to worship rather than worshipping money. God doesn't mind blessing people at all. He loves to bless. But it's then what you do with that blessing. I mean, the guy, unfortunately, didn't tithe. That would have been a good start. (laughs) We need to not worship the wealth, but worship with the wealth. Worshipping with wealth, I mean... You hold it lightly. Of course you pay your bills. Of course you enjoy your life. And of course you enjoy the fruit of your labour, you know, your hard work. God wants you to enjoy life. When you have abundance, enjoy it. When you're struggling, we'll get to that in a minute, still be content. But ultimately it's all for the Lord and it all is the Lord's. Yeah. That's our. That's meant to be our attitude. All right, number five. Here we go. We keep going. The world says money is happiness. God says give it away. <laughs> And it will come back to you. Good measure. Press down, shake it together, round, running over. Okay, so there's not many people who are very old in the church here. <laughs> Hands up if you re- if you remember that song. Oh, love. <laughs> Give. I honestly can't read it without singing it. <laughs> and it will be given to you. A good measure. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Okay, so can you imagine... Um, if you, like, shook up a bottle of Coke and then opened it, it ran over everywhere. But that was meant to be a good thing in this analogy. <laughs> and we poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's use our money to be kind and generous to others. I heard once of a person who um, told me that she literally budgeted gift giving. I thought it was awesome. She put it in, uh, she's a person who doesn't budget. God bless those people. I didn't put that at the point because I could not say that with a clear conscience because we currently don't have a budget. (laughs) Couldn't preach that one. It's very wise though to have a budget. But she said she budgeted gift giving into the budget. She would, like, um, say she would buy somebody lunch. She took them out for lunch. Or she would buy tickets to a show that her friend wanted to see. Or she'd buy a present for somebody. She actually budgeted in. I think that's amazing. 
because then you plan it. Who knows if you don't plan things, often we just forget and it all just gets sucked up. Must be generous. Give it away. All right, number six. The world says never be content with what you have. Have you ever thought of the premise of advertising? Advertising tells you if you have this, you will be happier. (laughs) That's why we see pictures of things because we went to look at it and go, I want that now. It's terrible because our brains are so wired this way, yes? Oh, we need to rewire our brains because God says be content in every circumstance. If God has given you a gift, thank him for it. Do you have food to eat, clothes to wear, money to pay your bills? Thank him for it and be content with it. No matter how much we have, be <laughs> grateful in that circumstance it says rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is god's will for you in christ jesus anyone who's ever been in a tough spot financially stuff like that um a key is to be grateful in that circumstance even though you're like i really really need still being grateful in that circumstance it changes your outlook on it and it changes your perspective on it and it says Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's actually how God wills you, wants you to live. Two old friends met each other on the street one day. One looked sad and almost on the verge of tears. His friend asked, what has happened to you, my old friend? The sad fellow said, let me tell you, three weeks ago, My uncle died and left me $40,000. That's a lot of money, said his friend. Oh, but you see, said the sad man, two weeks ago a cousin that I never knew existed died and he left me $85,000. Just like that, it got transferred into my account. The friend replied, that sounds like you have been so blessed. But you don't understand, the sad fellow interrupted. Last week, my great aunt passed away. I inherited almost a quarter of a million dollars from her. And the friend at that point was very confused and said, why then are you so sad? And the sad friend said, because this week I didn't get anything. Terrible. And you know what? I reckon there's a bit of that in all of us. Sometimes we just need to take a step back and be thankful for the blessings that have come in our life, whether they be relational, financial, safety. Be thankful for the faithfulness of the Lord. Be thankful for his goodness, be thankful for Jesus' sacrifice. We just take a step back and go, oh, actually, how much we've been given, which is more than any money amount, I can be grateful in this circumstance. It takes a heart reworking sometimes. All right, next one, zooming through them. Number seven, the world says only a fool would give to a church. I have first-hand experience of that. God says where your treasure is, there your heart is. 
and I've told this story before, but it honestly, is, it amazed me back then and it continues to amaze me now. We were in a good financial position and we went for a home loan with a certain mortgage broker bank institution. Um, and they, even though we were in a really, like honestly, any bank would have taken us on, but we went there because we were recommended them. So they looked at our financial stuff and they asked for our bank statements and they noticed this amount coming out every fortnight. And they were like, we need to know exactly what that is because that's a large chunk of money. We need to know, is that a bill? I say, it's not a bill. I just give to my church every fortnight. Like, that's just what we do. They, did they refuse us the loan? Did they? They need to stop doing that. No, they made, that's right. They made us sign a document saying that we wouldn't do that anymore. I'm not even, I'm not exaggerating. And honestly, the guy we were talking to was like, he was new and he was like, oh, I could see he was like, because he's thinking my my sale is slipping away from me as we sit there and we go, what? <laughs> we didn't go with them. Uh, we went with somebody else who was like, yippee, because honestly, anybody should have, would have taken us. But um, they really wanted to sign documents. And I was like, but it's totally voluntary. They, no, they didn't, they firstly did not believe me that it was voluntary. And secondly, um, uh, was very skeptical that we would somehow not be able to pay our bills. I mean, I could turn around and say, honestly, that practice has helped me pay more bills in my life than any other practice. If only you would realize. Okay, so. After one girl's first visit to church, the pastor asked her how she liked it. How'd you go? She said, oh, yeah, church is really cool, especially when the guy next to you passed me a bucket of money. (laughs) 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 Oh, it's awesome. All right. So so the thing that we do, and honestly, if you're not, if you haven't grown up in church culture, it's so, it's it's like a foreign thing that you would even think, why would people do, why would you do that? So we pass around these buckets. And we put BSBs in account number and it all sounds very commercial and honestly, every fibre of my being wants to run away when anyone starts asking for any money in any circumstance. I, I just don't like it. Um, I don't, I, I, it's not in my nature to ask for any... <laughs> and I made that slide. <laughs> but honestly, and I say this with absolute sincerity, I would never, ever... Say, this is your opportunity to give. If I did not think it was truly a biblical principle and it truly will cause you to be more blessed. I believe it from the bottom of my heart. Like every part of me believes this. I've seen it work out practically. I I must give you an opportunity to do it because if I were to not do it, then that would be... That would be like not a very loving move on my behalf because then it would be like, well, I know, I know the secret thing that I do and it, you know, it works for us. I'm not going to give you that opportunity. So, don't care about you people who say churches just want your money. All right. We're going to go ahead and talk about it. Tithings. What is this thing, this word tithe? Tithing comes from the word tithe. The word tithe literally means a tenth, a tenth in Hebrew. Okay. That's what it means. That's where we get the idea of 10%, okay? The custom of tithing is biblical. Many Christians and Jews practice it as part of their faith. 
And while it's really important and there's a huge surge, um, not a huge, but I've seen it, that people say, oh, well, my time is more valuable than my money, so I tithe my time instead of giving any money. Well, unfortunately, the, the tithing um, that's in the Bible, it, you look at the root words, it's always money. <laughs> it's not tithe, it's not the other things. All right, according to Leviticus 27, it says, a tenth of the produce of the land where the grain or fruit is the Lord's and is holy. Um, now, the gardening metaphors can be a bit of a, a brain block because we don't equate it to our life. But basically, most of the wealth, that a lot of the wealth that was generated was crops. Everybody knew that was your wealth. So 10% of that was given to the Lord before doing anything else. That's what God asked them specifically to do in the Old Testament. It's a very clear practice in the Old Testament. There's no denying at all that God required them to give 10% of their earnings to the temple. And then that would help the temple run because they had Levites who then made it all run and they could all worship and everything was organised, okay? So now we come to the New Testament because we're in the New Covenant. And Jesus comes and he says he's come to fulfil the law. There's no law anymore, but the law is written on your hearts. So then you've really got to think, all right, I look at the Old Testament and I look at that very clear principle that God instituted. Do I scrap that completely because the law is abolished, okay? The law is fulfilled in Jesus. We're not under the law anymore. So God isn't um, saying that we now must give 10% of our earnings like they did in the Old Testament. It's meant to be written on our hearts. So then my thought process is this. I would say that our hearts should be even more generous than the law made them be in the Old Testament because it was like law, like you must do this, you must do that. It's meant to be written on our hearts. And the principle was giving to the Lord. And so the principle I have now is giving to the Lord and I want to. It's written on my heart. Now, you say a lot of the New Testament talks only, it doesn't really talk a whole lot about giving to the church. It talks about giving to the poor. And you are correct in that, but it does talk about giving to the church. That Then they, they take those collections and distribute it to other churches, which is what we actually do here. If you didn't know, we actually do do that. But the, the, the other practical thing is you have to think, all right, do you actually believe in the church? Is this of any value? Is this building the kingdom of God on the earth? Is it? Like you really have to think, is it? Do I actually think that? And if you think there's value in it and you think, yeah, no, it is It is good to have a building, even though we've paid it off, but we still got to pay electricity, still got to pay uh, it, it, the administration costs would blow your mind. Um, you know, you're still going to pay people only tiny amount for the time that they put in, just put that out there. Like, if you see any value in, in what's going on here, that you think it really is building the kingdom of God, then then that's that's what that's the whole heart behind the rules in the Old Testament. So to build the kingdom, to establish the kingdom of God on the earth, I would like I absolutely we must be generous to the poor around us. Yes. I suggest though, in addition to, <laughs> in addition to, I, people say, oh, the tithing is abolished. Yes, good. Phew. Don't have to do it. It's the law. You're completely right. I would say God is asking us to be more generous than that. 
am I generous enough? No, I don't think I am. And it's a challenge writing this all down. Our practice is, and I'll just tell you what we do because I'm not lying and honestly all I can talk about is my own experience. And I'm not saying this is the law, I'm just saying this is what we choose to do. It works for us. We get our income pre-tax. We tithe to the church 10% pre-tax. We just do that. It's what we've done. It's what I've done since I was young. It's what we do as a couple. Works for us. It's what we want to do. I want to do it. I want to do it. I'm not saying you have to do it, but I'm just talking from my own experience. It works for me. Um, you say, oh, well, you have, you've been helped along in life. I, I did it before I was married when I came from a poor family. <laughs> I've done it since I worked at the age of 14 and nine months. Honestly, I've done it. Pre-tax, I just do it. Because my heart wants to do it, I see value in this. I see I see. I see why God has asked us to do us. Yeah, we give to compassion as well. Yeah, we give to random things along the way. We have compassion to kid and you know, all that sort of stuff. Am I generous enough? If I were completely honest with you, I would say no. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. We're so rich in this in this wealthy culture that we're in. We have so much opportunity to do so much good for God. And a lot of the time we're holding it, so, and I talk to myself, I'm holding it so tightly, God wants me to let go of it, you know? to build his kingdom so that I'm storing up treasures in heaven and not on earth. So, yes, we've covered that and now we can move on. That's your opportunity. And I'm going to just conclude. Oh, yep, I've gone as fast as I can, but we're going to conclude with this. Matthew 6. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Now, these people have more pressing issues. It's not common that we're worried so much about we have nothing to wear. They have, they didn't have probably, you know, new start propping them up when they couldn't find a job. You know, they had to work, otherwise they had no money and they had to beg. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. Consider the magpies, which uh, is more... You know, we can see that. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you can't, cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? goes on to say, consider how the wildflowers grow. I love wildflowers. So beautiful. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, who was in the Old Testament super, super rich, in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, fun thrown out into the fire tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world, you know, the secular world, runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. If you have need, God knows that you have those needs. And this is the clincher. If you didn't listen to any of that or read along, this is the clincher. This is the one sentence. But seek his kingdom and these things, and he's literally just talked about all of the practical things, 
not pie in the sky ideas, literally like clothes, food, all that stuff. Seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Pretty cool. We don't have to fear because we're loved by God. So it's all cool. We're loved by God. He's got us. He teaches us how to live for our own good, not for the good of an institution that wants to rule, not for a, a back-breaking slave master. That's not God. He, t- he teaches us how to live for our own good. I'm grateful for that. All right, let's pray. Lord, we come to you and you know the areas of us that aren't quite matching up. Help us. Help us to have your perspective on it all, God. We kind of loosen our grip and say, teach us your ways. Like, not with our own filter on it, God. We genuinely want to know your ways. So I pray that you would help us to um, see things exactly the way that you see it. We want our all our wealth, stuff, possessions, whatever, to be for your glory. Whether that means to enjoy them in life or to release, give away or, you know, whatever you want, Lord. We just want to be... 100% in the pocket of how you view it all. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.